Hello, thank you for downloading this podcast from Teacher. I'm Jo Earp. In this instalment of the research files, we'll be discussing student fitness and well-being, specifically two simple exercise programs. The first is a new project aimed at improving adolescent health and well-being, and the second is being used by thousands of early years and primary students across the world. We'll talk to the founder of the Daily Mile, retired Scottish head teacher Elaine Wiley, later in this episode. But my first guest is Dr. Jordan Smith from the University of Newcastle here in Australia. He's one of the research team working on Burn to Learn, a four-year project working with Year 11 students to improve their physical, cognitive and mental health. Here's Jordan explaining what the intensive exercise programme, designed by the project team, involves. It involves uh, schools and students participating in uh, two to three high-intensity interval training sessions each week for around about two school terms. So the aim of this is to find a feasible way of getting young people to participate in some high intensity exercise um, that's going to ultimately be beneficial for their health and well-being. And uh, HIT or high intensity interval training is a really effective way of doing that. Um, so this is really predicated on the fact that we know senior students are time poor. They've got a lot of um, uh, commitments in their life. They've got study commitments. They may be doing part-time work, they have uh, family commitments, they maybe have romantic relationships and friendships that are taking up their time. So we wanted to come up with something that was going to be effective, but also um, time efficient for this group, because we know that's really important. Most people, when they think about high intensity interval training, they think about um, you know a personal trainer flogging them as hard as they can in the gym, on an exercise bike, or maybe you know doing multiple sprints out on an oval. And, you know, none of that really, um, you know, probably seems too fun for most people when they think about that. Um, so what we've done is we've tried to really use the approach. We're still using a, a high-intensity um, style of training with, uh, with work and rest intervals, but we're trying to deliver it in a way that's more engaging and more uh, interesting for young people because we know that, you know, asking them to, um, to just flog themselves at school is probably not going to work long-term. So what we've come up with is a range or a variety of different uh, hit workouts that have a, a different focus, so there's something for everyone. So we've got um, uh, gym hit, which is uh, just standard body weight resistance training activities mixed in with some aerobic exercise. We have uh, hip hop hit, uh, which is a bit of a mouthful, but that's um, utilizing hip hop dance moves for those that might be interested in that style of of exercise. Um, we have uh, mixed martial arts and boxing style um, activities in a a, um, a version called combat hit and a range of other ones as well. So we're trying to come up with a variety of different activities that we think will appeal to the different preferences of young people. The Burn to Learn team is working with teachers in schools in New South Wales. I asked Jordan why Year 11 students have been chosen as the target and what the research says about the health and well-being of that age group. We chose senior school students because they're, um, well, they're a group that are often overlooked in health promotion programs. Uh, a lot of school-based or community-based physical activity programs target primary school-aged youth or maybe younger adolescents. And uh, Year 11 and 12 students really get overlooked in this area. So um, they're a group in need of of intervention. Um, You know, if you look at the overall adolescent population, only about one in five meet current physical activity guidelines. 
if we look at senior school students specifically, only around 6% of those meet current physical activity recommendations. So they're a highly inactive group. Um, and they're a group that also has uh, no compulsory physical activity in their school day anymore, which is different to junior high school in which students, uh, you know, they have to do uh, physical education as part of their, their normal school week. Um, so they're a group that could really benefit from physical activity because they are highly inactive. Um, but they're a group that also don't get the opportunities to be active. And one of the main reasons um, why we, we need or why, why senior students should be more active is the, uh, the psychological benefits that they can get from, from regular physical activity. Um, there are some really alarming statistics at the moment around youth mental health and about one in five report high or very high psychological distress and they often report school related stress as being a major contributor which as we know senior school students they're worried about their futures they're worried about performing well in exams um, so we know that this is really contributing to, to uh, stress and anxiety in this group. Um, some other alarming statistics if you took the average school classroom, around about two students in that classroom will be suffering from an anxiety disorder. Um, about one on average will have major depressive disorder and on average two students will have seriously considered taking their own life. So this is um, a group that really needs strategies for improving their health and well-being. And we know from decades of research that uh, regular physical activity is one uh, effective way of improving their mental health. The nationwide statistics mentioned there are from the 2015 Australian Government report, The Mental Health of Children and Adolescents, and we'll include a link to that in the transcript of this podcast published on our website, that's teachermagazine.com.au. The four-year Burn to Learn project runs until 2020, and the team has just completed its pilot study. Now, Jordan Smith says there have already been some exciting early results. Before we start the main trial, which is due to commence next year, we wanted to, to test out our idea and um, get an idea of, of how it would work in schools with real teachers, real schools, real students. And so we delivered uh, a pilot study in, uh, in two schools in Newcastle uh, involving about 68 students in year 11. And um, we had some really positive findings. So you have to remember that with high intensity interval training, it's very low volumes of exercise. We're talking about two to three 10 minute sessions a week. So very small amounts of physical activity that they're actually participating in, albeit done at high intensity. Um, so what we found is we had uh, significant, statistically significant effects on their health related fitness, so their aerobic fitness and their muscular fitness. Um, which is, you know, quite interesting considering the very low volume of, of exercise that they're doing. Um, but probably more importantly, we did see positive effects for their mental health as well. So we used a, a self-report questionnaire, which is called the Strengths and Difficulties Questionnaire. And it gives an overall score, which we can compare between the two groups that we had in our study. So one group received the Burn to Learn program and one group didn't. They acted as the control group. Um, what we found is... Uh, we had significant effects on uh, two domains of, of mental health um, issues, I suppose. So emotional problems was one, and the other was peer problems. So just to kind of explain that a little bit further, what we, what we found is that the students in the control group, their level of emotional problems stayed around about stable or, or went up slightly uh, during the 14-week the study period. Whereas those that were doing the Burn to Learn program in the, uh, in the intervention school, they saw a decrease uh, or a, a drop in their emotional problems. 
So they were experiencing fewer uh, problems like feeling anxious and stressed, feeling unhappy and having low self-esteem, that kind of thing. And the other um, domain where we saw a positive effect was in peer problems. And this was a little bit surprising because we thought, well, maybe, you know, students will be working together while they're performing the exercise and they might, uh, you know, generate a stronger social connection with one another. But we weren't sure that uh, an intervention that's so low, low, low dose, I suppose, would have such a positive effect. But we found that students that participated in the program also experienced uh, stronger social connectedness with their friends. So they were um, less likely to report being bullied and uh, more likely to report uh, having positive relationships um, with, their, with their peers. So we really thought they were um, some, some very positive findings. Just to reiterate then, those findings are from one pilot school over a 14-week period, but the next stage of the project will see things scaled up. Absolutely. So our, um, our pilot trial, while the, uh, the findings are very promising and they, they do give support um, to our, our idea around how this program might be beneficial, it's not definitive. It's just one, uh, one school that got the program compared to one other. Uh, but it's proof of concept. So it tells us that, that we're definitely onto something and we need to test this out in a larger cohort. So what we've got planned next is a, a large, what's called a cluster randomised control trial. So we're going to recruit 20 schools uh, over the next few years and we're going to do that in two cohorts. So we're going to recruit 10 schools next year and then another 10 schools the following year. We're actually uh, doing recruitment at the moment for that. And uh, yeah, we're going to test it with a larger sample to see whether our initial positive findings hold and whether they have uh, the same uh, benefits that we've seen so far. Dr. Jordan Smith there, talking about the Burn to Learn program targeting the health and wellbeing of senior secondary students. Now, let's move to the other end of the school age range and the other side of the world, actually, to find out about a simple exercise program that's having a positive impact on primary students. My second guest is Elaine Wiley, former head teacher of St Ninian's Primary School in Stirling, that's in central Scotland, and founder of the Daily Mile. Here, she explains what prompted her to set up the program that's now being used in schools around the world. I'd heard previously about concerns um, around children's fitness and their weight. And in February 2012, a volunteer in the school, an elderly gentleman, said to me, Elaine, the children are not fit. I checked with the PE teacher and she said, no, they're not fit. Most of them are exhausted by the warm-up in PE. And so, just to confirm things for myself, I took a year five class out of 10-year-olds to see if they could run around the field. Because I'd often thought, you know, why don't children just run around the field to get fit? Wouldn't that work? Anyway, I asked them to run around the field and it was a shocking sight. Most of them couldn't get as far as the halfway round before they were exhausted. And a handful were all right and could keep going, but most of them were thoroughly exhausted by even halfway around the field. So I decided I had a chat with their teacher and the children, and together we, we decided that they would run around the field every day for 15 minutes just to see if they could build up their fitness. And that was in February 2012. So for four weeks they did that, and I, I and everybody else was amazed at what happened next. The children love the Daily Mile, and I think it's because, one of the reasons is because they don't absolutely have to run if they don't want to, but in practice, 
most of them do a mile or more in the in the 15 minutes. But it's key that it's always a time, never a distance. So no child is told, right, you have to run a mile, like in cross country. It's not like that. After the four weeks, we noticed a significant improvement in children's behaviour across the class, but also individual challenging behaviour. The children were much fitter, and most of them could run for 15 minutes without stopping. And they could run several times around the field. And in fact, we discovered that in the time of 15 minutes, they were averaging a mile. And so that's why it was called the daily mile. But the benefits to the relationships, uh, to children supporting each other, using the language of friendship, pardon me, with relationship between staff and children, because they're outside, there's no four classroom walls, it's a bit different. Um, so children would approach the teaching staff more readily. Um, all these benefits, but um, I suppose, you know, we, we noticed that the children were coming in apple-cheeked, bright-eyed, cheery, um, happy, and learning ready. Very quickly, um, the excitement of going out every day changed into just, uh, you know, this is what we do. And they came, the, the transitions going out and coming back in were very, very slick. So no time spent changing uh, no wasted time, simply pencils down, out we go, run, 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 and straight back in. So a, a very um, powerful and important 15 minutes that gave, a, that gave a whole lot of benefits. And we discovered all of that after one month in one class. Now, there are lots of tips on the Daily Mile website about how to start the programme in your school. There's no funding needed, students don't need to get changed to do it, so there's no special kit, and it's not timetabled, so teachers themselves decide when to take their class out each day. Another important thing is course design, and Elaine says it's important to make it a non-competitive lap course. That's very important. So what we're looking for is a, a child-pleasing squiggly path, if ideally. You don't want a, a, a big running track an eight-lane oval, nothing like that, just something that, that maybe goes around the edge of the playground. Very often schools don't need to install a path because they have a, a hard surface in the playground. Uh, it can't be muddy. The children can't run in mud. But um, otherwise, th- th- there's no setup. There's no, and, and that all saves time and uh, preparation for teachers. There's no, there's no workload at all for teachers. There's no assessment, moderation, um, there's no planning, there's, there's nothing. They just, the, the children simply go out. In fact, one head teacher said the, the class teacher simply opens the classroom door and takes the children out. And thereafter, of course, it motivates and works with the children. But um, there is no workload or preparation for, for staff, um, no equipment, no setup, no tidy up, no kit. And that's really, really vital. So children, uh, you know, from, you know, the least and most deprived backgrounds are out there. There's no a fancy cool kit or uncool kit. There's no unwashed, forgotten kit. There's no time spent changing. There's no revealing your body, no body image issues. You're just out in what you're wearing. And so all these things are, are really critically important. Uh, you rightly said it's non-competitive. And as soon as they're out, really, they go out in line order. Someone leads the way. And then off they go. And... In, in seconds, you can't see who's in the lead. There may even be a class out there already, and they're just going round. And ideally, your path would be um, probably five to ten laps to a mile. And what you'll find is that children of different ages, different classes, will support each other, uh, encourage each other, help each other. 
and uh, it's a very social and, and happy and fun occasion. Our vision and aim is to have the daily miles and entitlement for all children because 66% of UK 10-year-olds have no basic fitness. Yet in a daily mile school, all the children are fit and it's very important the daily mile is 100% inclusive. So it's every child, every day. Children in wheelchairs can self-propel or they can be pushed. Children with cerebral palsy, brittle bone disease, asthma, diabetes are all out there being supported as required to take part, but they're out there in the fresh air with their friends. Everyone goes out every day. No one's left behind. I'm talking to Scottish head teacher Elaine Wiley, who founded the programme in 2012. Now, lots happened in the last five years. Here she explains how the Daily Mile has spread across the world. So my husband and I are both retired, and we both work almost full... We could work full-time, but we do try and make some time for ourselves. Um, on the Daily Mile, and there is a Daily Mile Foundation which is set up by Jim Ratcliffe, who is a wealthy philanthropist. And um, so we have a small team in London who support us. Um, so at the moment, 32 countries, some of them we have government-level agreements with. So Wales, um, Belgium, um, Scotland, and Scotland aiming to become the first Daily Mile nation. We have London on its way to becoming the first Daily Mile city, um, Guernsey on its way to becoming the first Daily Mile island, and it's in 32 countries. So um, there are 720 schools in Belgium do it. One of the things we have is a participation map, and of course schools can register, but often they hear about the Daily Mile, um, not from our website, and so the participation Participation map is not an accurate reflection of numbers. So in Lewisham in London, 20 schools, sorry, 22 schools in Rising are doing the Daily Mile. We only have two or three registered. So we, we don't have a clear picture of exactly how many, and, and, and every day schools are joining the movement. It's in primary and nursery mainly. So at St Ninians, our three-year-olds did it and could easily, once they'd, once they'd done it for a wee while, they could easily do a mile in the time. Um, in Wigan and Wales, the two-year-olds do it, so it's very much in nurseries, and more nurseries are joining us every day, and that's absolutely critical. To get the children when they're two changes their lives forever and changes their body composition. And the Scottish Government have written to all schools, nurseries, all secondaries, um, universities, colleges, work, many workplaces, saying, asking them to do the Daily Mile and hoping that this will um, take the the burden from the NHS because it's industrial quantities of children doing the Daily Mile every day and um, you know if, you, if, you, if you're a Daily Mile school you don't have 66% of unfit children you have hardly any perhaps the non-attenders almost every child is fit in a Daily Mile school so um, we have a handful of high schools who are trying it in the, out in their own way and we need them to come up with a solution for us um, because it's more challenging for a number of reasons in, in high school. As you said, for example, in primary, it works best at the time of a teacher's choosing. So if you timetable it closely, then people miss their slot. Either it's raining or something happens in the school and then they don't get out. Um, so in practice, if teachers decide when to go out, then they'll go out most days. But we need a solution for high schools. 
Elaine Wiley says the Daily Mile team would love to support Australian schools who want to get involved, and she has a special request for the organisers of the 2018 Commonwealth Games. You have the Gold Coast Games coming up. Our school at St Ninians was the link school uh, for Scotland with the Gold Coast, and we were um, linked with Coolangatta. And uh, I would love to see Australian children um, who have been doing the Daily Mile, this is a big ask, um, doing a Daily Mile at the opening ceremony of the, of the Gold Coast Games. I think that would be a, 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 an advanced legacy for the Gold Coast Games and would engage children, not after the Games have gone, but in, in, the, in advance, you know, so that children in schools were fit and healthy and doing their Daily Mile and were able to um, go onto that uh, lovely track um, on the Gold Coast and, and do the, the Daily Mile in front of the world. That's all for this episode. To keep listening or to download all of our podcasts for free, just visit acer.ac forward slash teacher iTunes or you can head to soundcloud.com forward slash teacher hyphen acer. You'll find more information about the programmes we've talked about today in the full transcript of this episode at teachermagazine.com.au and that's where you can also access the latest articles, videos and infographics for free. <laughs>